Well, we certainly are thankful for our uh, missions ministry partners locally and around the world, and uh, great to hear from uh, one of those today, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Greetings to our other campuses joining us here today on this uh, uh, kind of uh, get going here post-Labor Day into the school year. And uh, we've been preaching through Romans, most of you know that, and we've been doing so for the last year and a half. And expositional teaching is certainly a foundation of our church. But every once in a while, we need to stop, pause as a church family, and uh, talk about how we're doing, what's going on with the church, what are some things that we're thinking about. Basically, we have a little powwow. And that's what we're doing today. Today is that Sunday and today is that message. And basically today what I want to talk with us about just as a church family. If you're a guest with us, glad you're here. You're going to kind of get a sense of who we are and what we're doing. Uh, But basically today I want to talk about three things. What we're doing, what we're praying about, and what we are dreaming about. And you're going to get a little history here, some, but we certainly want to do what... uh, I have done for, I don't know, ever since I've been here, I've said this many, many times, you know, as we think about the church and and really we think about everything, we need to think and look at it this way, don't we? And even on this subject, uh, kind of state of the church sort of message, I want to to make sure that we're we're doing this because we are not a club, we're not a social sort of gathering, we're a church, we're the church of Jesus Christ and the Bible and is God's word and certainly guides us. And so uh, to that end, I do want to take one brief look at Romans before we get into some of these more, um, I don't know, uh, practical sort of matters. Uh, and so if you turn your Bibles uh, to Romans, we are in Romans 9, and we're going to skip ahead just a little bit today to the end of Romans 11, this is specifically verse 36, it's a little verse, it's a very important verse. Here's what it says, for from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever, amen. You'll notice that little verse is at the end of chapter 11. And Romans 9 through 11 are really, they're like a a section of Romans. And Paul concludes all of this doctrinal teaching, not just verses, chapters 9 through 11, but really chapter 1 through 11. Uh, And this is his summary statement. If you look ahead to chapter 12, verse 1, then he sort of moves into the, how do we apply this to our life? Therefore, I beseech you, brother, on 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 the basis of God's mercy, that, et cetera, et cetera. But the end of the doctrinal teaching of Romans is this little verse. And what does he say in it? He says that everything, first of all, is from him. And the him here is God. Everything is from him. God is the creator. We are merely creatures here. He is the giver of all good gifts. We are the recipients of those gifts. We are the recipients of his grace. Everything comes from him. Everything is, secondly, through him through him. As we've seen in Romans, how are we saved? Like, how does all this happen? And what we have seen over and over repeated in in Romans, that this is not our doing. This is not our righteousness. This is not 
Anything that we contribute to salvation, it is utterly the grace of God towards us. It is only by and through his power unto salvation that any of us are saved so that none of us can boast. Anybody proud? You're like, hey, man, look at me. I'm a Christian. No. Okay? It's the mercy of God. And then thirdly, everything is to him. Okay? To him. This is not so much chronologically to him, but a statement of purpose. Kind of like we will say things like this. Well, such and such is happening, but to what end? What end are we talking about? Well, for a Christian church, the end game is the glory of God. That is the ultimate purpose. That is God's ultimate purpose. And that's why he ends the little verse with, to him be the glory forever. Amen. And so we have Paul, in a very, I don't know, clever use of prepositions, gives a summary statement for everything. We have a summary statement that sounds very similar to that. It's all about him. I'll let you evaluate whether that's a good summary of Romans 11, verse 36. I say it is. What do we mean by that? Well, we mean that everything that we have is from him. Everything that we do is through him. And everything that we uh, accomplish is for him and for his glory. It's all about him. And I want to make that perfectly clear because we're going to talk about a lot of things here. And I don't want these to somehow feel separate from the ultimate goal, which is the glory of God. No, these are all means by which Bethel Church is seeking to ascribe glory to God, to expand and spread the fame of his name, to be about the great commission, to be obedient, but also to be worshipers and lovers and passionate for God. All of this under this basic rubric, this basic goal of the glory of God. In fact, here is the purpose statement of our church. Did you know we have a purpose statement? We do. In the founding papers of our church, the church constitution, here is how we have summarized why we are here. Here it is. To glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, who worship and exalt him in all things. We strive to fulfill this purpose as we devote ourselves to preaching, study, and application of God's word, seek the Lord in earnest prayer, experience the power of authentic life-changing fellowship, and engage our community and the world with the gospel of Christ. You know, we need to throw that out and write a new one, don't you think? No, that's forever relevant. It's forever right. This is the purpose of the church, and the goal is the glory of God. The ministries are the means to that. And I think it's important that we understand that as a church, that the church doesn't exist to put on weekend services. Did you know that? The purpose of this church is not what we are doing right now. The purpose of the church is not ultimately the preaching of God's word or prayer or ministering to children or missions around the world. These are all means by which God is glorified. And a biblical church doesn't elevate the the means to being the the ultimate purpose. No, the glory of God is the purpose. We use these things as tools that God has also ordained to glorify him through his son Jesus. So the question would be then, well, how are we doing with that here at our church? Like, how are things going? If this is the goal and the purpose, how are we doing? How are you doing as being a part of that personally, this mission that God has given to us? And so 
I'm going to address this, at least from my own perspective, having input from our, our elders and pastors, in those three broad categories. What are we doing? Uh, what are we praying about? And what are we dreaming about? Okay, so we're going to look over the horizon a little bit by the time I'm done today. But let's begin with what are we doing? Okay, what is Bethel Church doing? And with, with this, I could, I could go on literally all day describing the ministries of the church. And by this, I mean sort of those ongoing, regular, bread-and-butter ministries of our church. We could say this, we're grounding our church in the gospel by the preaching through Romans. We are actively discipling children and teenagers through our ministries uh, focused on them. We are creating relationships and community and friendships and fellowship through our small groups and other means. We are helping people in the pains of life through our counseling ministries and Celebrate Recovery. We are engaging the world and our community through outreach and missions and many other things. Honestly, my experience as the pastor of the church, at least at this stage of our, our church, I am regularly surprised by cool things that are happening. I knew nothing about them. I had no input in it. I didn't even know we were doing it. And then all of a sudden I find out, and it's like, that's just, you know, it's kind of like, your grass grows in areas you don't even know it in your yard. You're like, oh, wow, look at that. It's growing over here too. That's how I feel as the pastor of this church, and I love it. These are the bread and butter ministries of our church, and I want to thank all of you that are serving in these very significant ministries. Most of what I'm going to share today, though, is going to be kind of outside of those normal, ongoing, regular ministries of the church. And so let me begin by talking about more and better. Okay, what are we doing? Let's talk about more and better. Some of you that were here two years ago, probably most of you, not all of you, we stood before you and we said, hey, we, we think that God is not done with Bethel Church. And we see in the Great Commission the call to make more disciples and to make better disciples, bre breadth of ministry, depth of ministry. And we have some things that we need in order to... Uh, to do that. And so we stood before you and we said, we have some projects and we're asking you that, that you will give over and above normal tithes and offerings towards these things. And here's, a, here's, here's the projects. We said, we live in a very diverse community and we'd like to begin some language-specific congregations. We said, our Crown Point Auditorium ain't big enough and we need to expand this, and we got a plan to do it without building a whole new auditorium. We think we can kind of sort of finagle this within the space of the building. You shook your heads and said, I don't think you can do it. We want to make a significant donation to the City Life Center, our community center in downtown Gary. Uh, the Crown Boys Student Center needs remodeling. The Gary campus needs a paid parking lot and a new roof. We want to remodel our kids' ministry at Cedar Lake, and we want to remodel classrooms at our HP campus. And we said, would you please give to it? And we had pledged $2.76 million that people gave over and above, or pledged. And so we got to work. And uh, by the way, I'm so appreciative and uh, just love the team that we have here, from our elders, our deacons, um, staff. I mean, these things all took... These aren't in the normal sort of job description. These are all like extra things, and yet our people just rallied and uh, did it. So how do we stand today? Let's do a little like report card on our list. Oh, they're already doing it for me. Expansion of, I'm going to come back to this one. Expansion of Crown Point Auditorium. Hmm. We're done with that. Amen? Here at Crown Point, we're clapping. All right. 
and the balcony people are clapping. We're a little concerned about some of the structural steel, but you'll be okay, I think. <laughs> City Life Center donation, done. Crown Point Student Center remodel. Okay, we are presently working on that, and I'll get to that in a moment. we got a picture. The lot is done. The roof is done at Gary, although we have some new leaks, honestly. I'll just mention that to you. Uh, on a rainy day, I'll mention that to you. Leaking right over the pulpit. Just found that out, honestly. Uh, remodel of the Cedar Lake Center and the remodel of the HP cl classrooms. Those are scheduled to be completed by April 12th. You say, why April 12th? Easter Sunday, this spring. We want to get that done by then. So HP Cedar Lake, you hang in there. Stuff's about to happen. The last one is our most recent one, Bethel Chinese Church. Let's just talk about that a second. We said, you know, we'd like to pursue some language-specific congregations. And what we meant by that was we have so many people that speak, you know, their native tongue, the, the language of their heart is not English. What can we do to minister to them? And you all know the story. I don't have time to get into it. But God has just opened the door and has truly, there's parts of the story, totally a God thing. There's no other explanation. But uh, two months ago, we launched Bethel Chinese Congregation. And let me, let me uh, you didn't know this that I know Mandarin, but let me, let me translate this up here for you. Bethel Church Chinese Congregation, that's what it says. <laughs> Get this. Uh, we have about 50 Chinese descent in Mandarin, uh, uh, folks coming every single Sunday, and today at one o'clock, we baptize our first three at that congregation. We praise God for that. Amazing. So just look what God has done in two years' time and his provision and, and uh, his providing. It's been really, really great. Now, I do want to uh, give a quick financial update on more and better, if I may. We had pledged $2.76 million. We presently have received a date towards more and better, just over $2 million. And we have, of the pledges remaining, about three quarters of a million dollars. And I just want to thank uh, all of you who have given. I want to thank all of you who have caught the vision. I hope that, you know, seeing, you know, check, 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 check gives you a sense that we, we were raising this money to do something with it, and we have been actively doing that. By the way, if you are kind of excited about these things, and you're like, oh, I wasn't here two years ago, or I didn't catch that opportunity, you know, can I still give to more and better? Yes, of course. We would love it. Because there might be more and there might be better things that we would do and could do if we had some more resources. So just designate that more and better as you give on a check or on the envelope or online. And uh, those monies will go towards these initiatives. I say let's cross the finish line. Okay? Let's cross the finish line. So more and better. Second thing under what we are doing is that we are clarifying the strategy by which we do discipleship around here. What does that mean? Well, you know, it's one thing to come to a church. I met people before this service. They, you know, they've come from a, a different kind of faith background, and they come strolling into our church, and it's like, okay, what does it mean to be a part of the church? 
If I was to ask you, what does it mean to be a part of Bethel Church? You might say, well, I, you know, I think you would, you know, you go to church on Sundays and, you know, pray for the pastor and I don't know beyond, beyond that. What does it mean to be a part of the church? And really, it's a broader question. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Okay, because we're called to be disciples, and if you're living and breathing here, God's not done with you yet. He is conforming us to the likeness of Jesus Christ. All of us are in this process, and so if that's what we're to be doing, it's pretty important that we know how we're going about it. Like if you're working for a company that's making widget A, B, and C, you better know how they're making A, B, and C. And so how are we making disciples here? And over the years, we've tried to clarify this in sort of memorable ways. Some of you may remember we had the three E's, exalt, experience, engage. Back in the day, we had on banners, and, and we sort of liked it because it was summary, it was alliteration. And you know what? I don't mind alliteration, and I like the letter E. I really do. My name has a, a three E's in it, for goodness sake. So I'm the three E's and Steve DeWitt. I didn't even think about that until right now. But what happened was that it didn't quite capture it, and honestly, that has disappeared into the mothballs of the, of the church closets. And so we just want to sort of refresh and make it clear, what are we doing here? And so this led a, a team of people led by Pastor Dan Jacobson, uh, and I'm thankful for his leadership with this, to just sort of restate uh, how are we going about making disciples? And out of this came this chart, which I hope that we can maybe make big enough for you to see. We'll see about that. There's nothing sort of new and novel here, nor could there be since the church has been doing this for 2,000 years. But just to summarize, what are we doing? And you'll notice three, four categories. To be a disciple is to be a worshiper. All of life is worship. To be a disciple is to be in community with other Christians, no Lone Ranger Christians. To be a Christian is to serve Jesus, to serve the King. And to be a Christian is to be engaged in the mission, locally and globally. And so this summary, it's, it's hard to distill this any less than these four categories. Now here's the brilliance of this uh, description is that in each category we see that there is growth that can happen, right? As I submit and surrender more and more of my life to Jesus Christ, as, as I am engaging my every category of my life in worship, I am growing in this category. As I am engaged in relationship with others and, and all, I grow in that. Nobody starts over here. You start over here in all these categories. But the, the brilliance of this is that not only is there growth in each of these categories horizontally, there is also growth vertically, okay? There's growth vertically. A Christian, you know, you become a Christian and you surrender to Jesus and trust in him, you begin a life of worship. But as you, as you grow and mature, these other priorities increasingly are important to you. So if you're a Christian here today and you're like, you know, I love the worship services and I, I, I like to think about worship, but man, I hate other Christians. I do not want to be involved in service and I could care less if everybody goes to hell. I'm here to tell you, you have not met Jesus that I know, okay? Maturity is growing this way as well. So if I was to ask you today, where are you on the growth chart? As you look at that, I would, I'm going to guess that most of us are kind of like, well, I'm better here, not so good here, better here, not so good here. 
And you know what? In a way, that's okay because we are all works in progress. The question is, if a year from now I give a similar message the, the Sunday after Labor Day and you're where you were or you have retracted, are you healthy? No. No. Healthy disciples grow. That's just the way that it is. You know, at the DeWitt house in the basement, I brought this up here. I asked special permission to use this. This is very dear to us. Mess with this and you're out of the church. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> but uh, I brought this from the basement. This is, this is our little growth chart for our daughters, okay? Most of you, if you have children, you probably do something like this. It's available at your local Hobby Lobby, okay? <laughs> So we have it on the wall, carefully measured so that it's, you know, uh, accurate. And we, we measure them at the top of their head, and we put the date next to that measurement so we know how tall they were on that particular date. So we just started school, and we made sure the day before school started that we measured them on the chart. And so sure enough, here's, you know, Madeline's here, Kira Lee's here. And you know what's so fun is you can look at one year and say, hey, look, baby girl, Look, you have grown, here it is, that much in one year. And she's so excited about it, right? Because children, they love to grow. They want to grow. And children of God are the same. If you don't want to grow, I don't know if you're a child of God. Because children want to grow. And as a church, we want to, we want to grow. I wonder what significant marker God might have for you in your own spiritual life this year? Would you be willing to pray about that and actually ask God, God, I, a year from now, I don't want to be the same person I was this year. I want to be, I want to be different. I want to be more Christ-like. I want to have more, more fruit for you. What might that be? Maybe take the step to join a small group. Maybe, maybe somehow exercising spiritual muscle by serving in some Ministry, maybe going on a go trip with our missions ministries, maybe serving in a community ministry. What a year from now is going to be different than who you are today that is a sign that you are growing in your Christian life? Will you next year be able to do this? Okay. If you're like, why well, would love to do that? How can I do that? After the service, you head to the Welcome Center. We got people there to talk with you about how maybe you can engage in the mission and grow. You can go to the website, and there are places there for, with information and sign up. So, but this is, this is the strategy, okay? I want to present that to you. And flowing in that, now secondly, one of the things that we have been doing is we have been taking a very careful look at equipping our families specifically with the uh, matters related to discipling and baptizing their children. I, uh, I've been in ministry a long time. It is always a challenge for parents and churches when and how to engage children in key steps in their own spiritual development like baptism or like Taking the Lord's Supper is also a huge step that I think many parents don't think nearly deeply enough about. 
But what mission field could be more dear to us than our own children's faith? Okay? And by the way, just side note, so thankful for all the volunteers and the leadership that serve in our children's ministries. In fact, can we give them a hand a second? I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing ministry. Okay? But for many years, we have felt with families the tension that they have in their heart between, you know, not wanting to rush anything, not wanting to presume anything, but, you know, not also wanting to miss anything. And, and how do you know when a child, their understanding and their personal faith are at a place where a marker like baptism or partaking in the Lord's Supper is an appropriate step for them. And this is really a very, very difficult thing. I mean, even Jonathan Edwards, go back to church history, Jonathan Edwards, Ed, Edwards lost his church over issues related to how do we minister to children. And we have found that over the years, our, our process with that has been woefully inadequate. Basically this, this is, this is basically what we've done and I, I feel apologetic about it because now that I summarize it, it seems so lacking. This is why we're addressing it. But basically, if, if a family wanted to have their child baptized, they would meet with uh, typically a leader in our children's ministry. And that leader would try in a 20-minute interview to discern whether or not this, person, this child is actually a follower of Jesus. Now, I couldn't figure that out after 20 minutes with the parents, much less the child, Right? That's a big question, and it's hard to discern in a child. And so the fruit of that is, is that we've had over the years um, messiness. We've had misstarts and missteps, and I apologize for any of those that have perhaps negatively impacted you. We've, we've tried our best, but we just found our best wasn't good enough. And so this led our leaders to begin looking. There's got to be some way to do this some way better than what we have been doing. And after uh, months of searching for a better alternative, we came across, I should say this, this process went on for months, but in the process, we came across an approach that my old church, College Park Church in Indianapolis, uh, incorporated a couple of years ago that really got at um, the things that we were wrestling with, because guess what, they were wrestling with them too. And they were similarly going, we got to do this better than the way that we're doing it. And they were blessed with a, a guy named David Michael who came on their staff and who had been the director of children's ministry under John Piper's ministry. And there had introduced this same approach where, um, and I don't have time here to get into all of this, but a, a very careful discipleship process for children who want to be baptized and parents who want their children baptized in summary, it is this, that we don't want baptism for our children to be like a one-off event where they do it, they have ice cream, and then that's it. We want it to be a very important part of a lifelong process of following Jesus. And how can we move in that direction with, with children it involves a very careful equipping of parents and a collaboration with church leadership. There's a process with multiple voices and much teaching, and uh, it's going to be, I think, a step forward. It's not perfect. It doesn't answer every question, and I'm sure we'll continue to baptize unsaved children, which we try not to do because we don't want to give false assurance to any, anybody, their parents as well. 
but it's a huge step forward from what we have been doing. And as, as I would mention to you parents as well, this relates to the matter of children partaking in the Lord's Supper. The Bible doesn't say that if you are baptized and you're not a Christian, it brings condemnation on you, but it does say if you are not a believer and you partake in the Lord's Supper, you bring judgment on yourself. And I have to believe that includes not yet saved children. That's an important decision when your child should begin partaking in the Lord's Supper. And so what we're proposing here sort of incorporates all of those. And one detail that I'll share with you after much discussion and much research and careful thought, uh, the elders of the church are strongly recommending that children wait until age 11 to be baptized. Do we have a Bible verse for that? No, we do not have a Bible verse for that. More than any other uh, age in the Bible, it just doesn't say. But there are a host of reasons for it, and it's a strong recommendation, and I frankly plan on personally doing that with my own daughters, uh, which is not hard for me. The church I grew up in, they had a hard rule of 12, you know, and I, I think I turned out okay, you know, with that, with 12. It's not a, you know, but we are strongly recommending it, and we want the Bible to make the rules and elders to make recommendations, and so that's what we are that's what we're doing. So there's going to be more information on this. We're going to have some meetings for parents that are interested, and we want to be a resource that equips parents and comes alongside and helps them through what can be a very confusing process. We want children to follow Jesus their whole life. That's the goal, right? That's the goal. So, okay, so there's some things that we're doing. I'm going to transition now to what we're praying about, okay? What we're praying about. First thing, out of the stands and onto the field. Out of the stands, onto the field. There's a famous quote by Dallas uh, Seminary professor Howard Hendricks. Here's the quote. He says this, At a football game, there are 70,000 people desperately in need of exercise, watching 22 people desperately in need of rest. A lot of truth in that, don't you think? And this is a matter of concern and a matter that we want to be praying about for us as a church family. I mean, praise God, we, we are blessed. There are, I'm not sure the number, but it's thousands of people that call Bethel Church their church home. And maybe they're not here every single Sunday, but this is, this is their place of worship. This is their church. We have hundreds of volunteers that serve in all of these ministries, and we are profoundly thankful for all of them. But like the NFL game, our stats would tell us that we have lots of people in the stands, way more people in the stands than on the field. Is that a healthy church? I say no in this respect, no. What is a church you know, if you think about what is Jesus' vision for the church? At an NFL game, you can watch it, you know, today's the big first day of uh, NFL season. You can see it. The stands will be filled with people and a few people on the field. But the church is the opposite. The church, everybody's on the field, nobody's in the stands. Would we all agree that's Jesus' vision for, for what it means to be a part of a local church? You say, well, why is that? Is, is, is Jesus cruel no, he knows what's best for us. 
And what's best for us and what every Christian needs is the vitality that comes by exercising your spiritual muscles by serving the king. In fact, I'm kind of, I want to, I, I could bring up Bible verses and guilt you into it and, for, you know, no one leaves here. We've got, you know, we're locked the doors and there's sign-ups here and I could do that. We've done that in the past. Uh, <laughs> but I really want to woo you. And for you to get the idea in your head that you are the one that is missing out. And the church is missing out. But specifically, you are missing out on the blessing and the meaning of a life serving the king. And it's for our own good that he wants us on the field. It's better on the field than in the stands. Way more blessing on the field than watching. I think many of you, I should say many of us, it sounds less accusatory, but actually many of you <laughs> who I love are missing out on God's will and God's best because instead of serving, you are, you are observing. And you feel content with that. And one of my fears even in talking about this, because i got some cool things I'm about to share, is that anybody would leave here and going, man, it's great to be a part of Bethel Church. We're rocking it. There's cool things going on here. I'm a part of it. You go. Woohoo! And you almost feel like you are, you know, it's, it's like the, the people that go to the Bears game, they, if, if, let's just pretend in some crazy way, that maybe they would have won the game Thursday night. They walk out of Soldier Field and they say, we won. What did they do to contribute to the victory? Nothing. But in their mind, they're identifying with the, the labors of others and the victory of others. And there's a lot of Christians who do that. They're content to have identity with some group where all these things are going on and they feel like they are winning even though they've done nothing to contribute to that. If I can say this delicately, we got too much of that going on. Praise God, we got cool things going on. And there are victories that are happening. But too many of you, and I love you, I love you, okay, listen. Too many of you are like NFL fans leaving the stadium after a win. You are content with the labors of others and cheering them on. And you're not on the field. So one of the things that we are praying about and one of the needs that we have for us to become the church that God would have us to be is to get the, the Bethelonians out of the uh, stands and onto the field doing something, and something that, I, that you want to do, something meaningful to you, something in your gift set, something in your passion, something from your background. That, and uh, you know, there's ministries we're not even doing now that we would need to do and could do if we had people that were doing it. And how I want that. It's a little like Jesus' parable. Where he gave the, you know, the ten talents, the five talents, and the one talent. And the ten talents makes ten more, and the five talents makes five more. But the one who had the one goes and buries his talent. Jesus rebukes the one. We got a lot of talent. You know, if you look behind the church, there's a lot of mounds where people have buried their talent. And we want you to go dig it out and serve Jesus with it. And I don't even know what that is for you, but I know God's called you to do it. Think of the church that we could become if, I mean, if all the things that are going on right now, which are wonderful and amazing, and it's a portion of what it could be. 
The potential is so much more. So we're praying about, we're praying about that. And would you join us in praying about that? Here's the second thing that we're praying about, and it's our, our 2019 finances and budget. Like, this doesn't seem quite as elevated and noble. Well, you know what? It's practical, okay? It is practical. I pray each week about this. You might imagine as a senior pastor of the church, I feel a burden over the, these matters in ways that maybe most do not. So this last year, we had an awesome first four months, okay? Great four months. Summer, not so awesome in the giving. And so we come into uh, the last four months of the year, and we're around a quarter of a million dollars behind budget. And I said in a little uh, first note that I send to the church, I said, I, I don't remember ever in all my years here ever being that far behind budget. And uh, so here's the, here's the summary. I just put it up here. So year to date. And by the way, for, forget this for a second. Look at this number right here. $3.7 million has been given to the church this year. Can I say thank you to all of you for that? I mean, that's a wonderful thing. It really is. <laughs> wonderful. Oh, you know what? I had it backwards. <laughs> See, that's what a man of faith does. I am trusting <laughs> that this is going to be the giving number. No, actually, it's this number, okay? which is almost as amazing and wonderful as this number, but we are thankful. Here's the point. Thank you, everybody who's given. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Okay, thank you, everybody who's given. Uh, Year-to-date budget, though, the uh, shortfall, here's the number. It's in red there. So would you join us in praying about this? Amen. Amen. And the balcony said? It was a little light up there. I couldn't hear you, so I just want to make sure you're all with me up there. If we get that number, we're going to put more steel supports in the balcony. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to what we're dreaming about, okay? What we're dreaming about. I'm going to go back seven years, eight years, almost eight years ago. Uh, Bethel was one church, one campus, one location. We were busting at the, ste- at the seams. Um, and we were kind of searching for what God wanted us to do next. And uh, God, through our elders and pastors, we stood before you and, and we said, we have a new, a new vision here. And we said, we're calling it Mission Them. Remember Mission Them? Many of you do. And stood in front of the church and I said, and I, I had an iPad and I drew on the iPad a circle with arrows pointing in. I said, this summarizes Bethel Church for the last 75 years of our existence. Arrows in, people driving in, focused on the church, for the most part. I said, we think God wants us to reverse that. We want to be a church of outward arrows. And so the graphic that we, uh, that we use, the little logo, is, is this circle with outward arrows, Bethel Church, becoming a church of outward arrows. And we said, basically, we said, we don't even know what this is going to mean, but we need you to give money. And that was the hardest ask we've probably ever had. We have not sure what it's going to be, but please give money. And the church wonderfully did. 
We summarized our vision with this statement. Bethel Church exists to multiply disciples through multiple sites and multiple partnerships. And that simple vision of, I mean, you can do it on a, you can do it on a napkin at a restaurant, okay? This was the church. In fact, I did it on a, on a napkin in a restaurant, and it's framed at the Cedar Lake campus. It was really the genesis of how all that happened. There's a napkin from 12 Islands Restaurant, we, I don't know if we paid for I don't think they were okay with me. I was using it. Uh, where I drew arrows, outward arrows. And that simple vision galvanized our church. And I'm so glad that here we are seven years later, and I can, you know, I can, I can say to the Cedar Lake campus, you're there right now because of outward arrows. And I can say to the HP campus and the Gary campus and, and our Chinese congregation, you are there because of outward arrows. I can say to the City Life Center, you are there because of outward arrows and a, a heart that God developed in our church where we're not gonna be just closed in our own thing. We wanna see what God can do by resourcing and reaching out and going and doing that. So praise God for all that he has done and all the ministries that have emerged and truly all the people that have been saved and baptized and are serving Jesus in significant ways. And I just want to say today that, you know, of all the th things we've shared, other than all about him, I'm still that guy. Like, if you want to know where my heart is for the next however many years God would have me here to be here, that's my heart. I want to lead us more and more into those directions. And I say that in terms of what we're dreaming about because there are days coming, I believe, where we're going to stand before you and say, hey, do you remember that message Steve gave in September when he talked about the fact that we want, we want to launch some arrows, and these are not going to be, you know, uh, you know uh, so, better coffee or, you know, softer seats. Or, it's going to be something out there. Like, it's not going to be for our comfort. It's going to be something out there that we're doing. Remember we told you that? Well, here's the thing, or here's the next thing. And I want you to have in your mind that our future lies here. Not in us being, you know, more comfortable. We need to get more uncomfortable, in my opinion. And to see a world around us that needs the gospel. And we are called to take it to them. To that end... Second thing we're praying about is Bethel, church of all nations, church of all languages. We love sending and supporting missionaries around the world. We met one in the video earlier today. Praise God that we have people that we are partnering with who are ministering in all these different languages and ministering in all these different nations. But we uniquely live in a part of the world where God has sent the nations to us. You realize that? Northwest Indiana, the nations are here. Wouldn't it be tragic if we expect our missionaries to go cross-culturally and do things that we aren't willing to do right here in our own backyard? So to that end, we are dreaming about how can we engage this community in increasing cross-cultural, cross-racial, cross-denominational ways. And to ask the question, do we as a church have the gospel flexibility to deal with some of the awkward, 
and messy things that happen when you are stepping out of your comfort zone? And I'm hoping the answer to that is yes, because I'm standing in front of the same church that when we announced and said, we're going to downtown Gary, gave us a standing ovation. Is that heart still here? Okay. Are we done? Like, oh, that, that was it. Okay. The same church that supported a Chinese congregation that's meeting right now, <laughs> and the gospel's being preached in Mandarin. Can the church that did that continue to care enough to reach out for more and better disciples? I personally, and there are many of us that are, we're praying for and we're hoping for at least another language-specific congregation, ho hopefully Spanish, that we would launch sometime in the future, hopefully the near future. We don't have firm plans on that yet. I would like to see some creative ministries like Care for Refugees in Northwest Indiana, where we become a leading gospel voice and example for caring for the displaced. I love to see in our church the care for adopting children and the foster care of children. This is a quiet ministry that many in our church are involved in. I'd love to see that grow. Wouldn't it be great if we could say to the social services, we'll take every kid you got? Wouldn't that be great? We'll just empty out and we'll take care of them all. Bethel Church, a home for every child. What could that become? Think of the legacy. See, these are things you dream about. And one of the great things is we're positioned as a church right now. We're not trying to figure out, you know, how do we lock the doors and, and, and who's paying for the utility bill and... Uh, you know, we've been at that stage in the past. God has us in a place right now where we can dream big dreams. And what a joy it would be to be a part of that. We're dreaming about that. Here's another thing we're dreaming about. We're dreaming about becoming increasingly a regional resource and influence church. One of the Proverbs that I love, Proverbs 11:25, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. What does that mean? It means when you, when, you give, when you help other people, when you give of yourself with generosity to other people, there is, a, there is a reciprocal kind of blessing, a refreshment that comes to you by God's design. And in generosity, this takes many forms, and we have lots of opportunities, and we have limited resource, resources. But to the best that we can to think about, given who we are now as a church, what can we do to influence other local churches, resource other local churches, collaborate with other churches to do things that we never could do by ourselves. To, see, to think Chicagoland, to think regionally. We are positioned to do that as a church. You know, we have, we have the Journey Radio Ministry, which is probably our most uh, public Chicagoland ministry through Moody Radio. But we have opportunities far beyond that. Strategic partnerships with other key stakeholder kind of, kind of churches in Chicagoland, which we already have friendships with, but we just haven't really done that much with those friendships. In two weeks, I've got two large church pastors, senior pastors, that are, I'm going to spend the whole day with them. And they, we're just going to tour around, we're going to talk about our model of ministry, maybe provide some you know, ideas, tell them our failures <laughs> as well. But that's relational influence. And the point is this, that God's kingdom is way bigger than this church. 
way bigger. We are a drop in the ocean of God's kingdom. And to have a vision and to have a care that is much broader than Crown Point, Indiana, or Maryville, Indiana, or Cedar Lake, Indiana, or Hobart, or Portage, Indiana, or Gary, Indiana, to, to have a vision bigger than that, can we dream about that together and just think, God, what could you do if our hearts are really ready to step out of those comfort zones and to do something big? Can we pray big prayers and see what opportunities God brings to us? I'm just convinced God's not done with us yet, okay? I think there is more and better that he wants to do around here. And we are, as a leadership team, we're ready to pounce. We are ready to roll. And we need to know that you're ready to roll with us. Amen. Now, there are so many stories that I could tell about things that God has done recently, but I'm going to give you a fresh one. Here is a story from today. Today, at 1 o'clock, at our, at our uh, Chinese uh, congregation, there is going to be a baptism service. We are baptizing three Chinese descent uh, individuals. And uh, that's not the story yet. I mean, it's part of it, but hold on. Of those three, one is a woman who lives in a spiritually dangerous part of the world. So dangerous, it has not been safe for her to be baptized. She is here visiting on a long visit with her daughter, and for the first time, she's in a place where it is safe to be baptized. And at one o'clock today, we are going to baptize her. She's going to go back to that dangerous place. Will we ever see her again? On earth, maybe not. But we will see her again in heaven, won't we? And here's the point I want to make is, if Bethelonians two years ago, when we stood before you and said, okay, we got this more and better thing, we got this language-specific thing, we don't know what God's going to do with that, but we need your support and your prayers and to get behind it. If the Bethelonians, Bethel Church two years ago, would have yawned, would have said, oh, we're satisfied, we don't want to, it just seems so messy, we don't want to do that, we would not have the joy of today baptizing a woman from a place like that and to be a part of her story. Think of heaven someday when we get to hear what happens from here in her life. And to have this little connection point, it never would have happened. We would not have the privilege of seeing her and two others baptized in the name of Sheng Fu, Sheng Zhu, Sheng Ling, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's just what happens when our dreams coincide with God's will and purpose. Deeply moving moments like one o'clock today in Highland, Indiana. To what end? For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.